0: Namu Tasa Bhagavatu, Arahatu Sama Sambuddhasa. Namu Tasa Bhagavatu, Arahatu Samma Namu Tasa Bhagavatu, arahato sammasambuddhasa buddha dhamma sangham namasami when the buddha established his training he established it uh, for the benefit of all beings And he established it in such a way that there was a possibility for everyone to take a training, whether they were monastic or householders. There's a training for everyone. I think what's particularly for me uh, so uplifting is when I look around after many years of living as a solitary nun, I look around, and I have companions on the path, and when I see Ayanimala bowing to the shrine and expressing her gratitude, it's like looking in the mirror, because this is what I've been doing for so many years, and now that there are others that are doing it with me, and they're having that joy, it it's almost unbelievable. Uh, there's something very special. It's just like if you were wandering in a desert and you were traveling through a wilderness on your own for a long time and then you find a companion who's willing to travel with you through the wilderness. And the world is like a wilderness. Now to have two companions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This wilderness is one that looks not so wild but the reason is it's called the wilderness is because it's full of unwholesome trails and unwholesome pathways that people acting out of ignorance acting without understanding what kind of goodness can be brought forth that's what the world follows it follows that tone that rhythm. Based on ignorance, human beings act in ways that are driven by by greed, or driven by selfishness, uh, driven by lack of wisdom, driven by ill will, or driven by confusion. That's not to say that here in the monastery we don't have those qualities in our minds but we are not driven by them if we can bring enough mindfulness to bear then that's exactly the direction we try not to go and our refuge is really what directs us rather than our desires our refuge and our understanding of the importance of giving up harmful ways of speech and harmful ways of conduct and harmful ways of thinking. So we we hold together on blazing a trail through the wilderness of the mind. Two of the things that are very important not only in monastic life but in lay life are faith and wisdom. Faith is a quality of the mind that is trusting and confident. And wisdom is a quality of the mind that has enough understanding to lead faith in the right direction, in a wholesome direction, in a direction that bears good fruit. But they work very much together together. They balance each other. And they also work in conjunction with energy, mindfulness, and concentration. When we meditate, we can clearly see how important it is to trust the breath, to trust the body, and to uh, use our wise understanding to sit long enough so that our minds can settle down. And then we keep trusting, trusting, and we bring in the faculties of energy, mindfulness, and concentration of our attention on the breath, on the body. And then we we persevere, persevere with it. And when we take that out into daily life, it has the same kind of flavor. So if our faith is weighty enough and doesn't get knocked off course by the messages that we get from the world, then we can persevere long enough to see the goodness in our hearts or the the dream that we have, the wish, to fulfill that goodness, we see it come to fruit, or we can see it beginning to flourish. But we have to concentrate in one direction without getting distracted. It's the same kind of thing. When we're meditating, we can get distracted by sounds, by sleepiness, by thoughts, restlessness by a strong mood in the mind uh, or by lack of understanding how, how to practice well and the same thing happens when we're out in the world trying to blaze the trail through the wilderness things deflect us we get sick or we get upset by conditions or we lose our job or a relationship ends or something new begins and it's uh, nerve-wracking we take a new job or move to a new place or we're facing old age or uh, we're in an accident so many things can distract and deflect us from what we wish to achieve and what we want to see happen in our lives but with wisdom and trust and continuing to point ourselves in the direction of what we know will really support us we can do amazing things like starting a bhikkhuni monastery if anyone had told me four years ago that I was going to be training a Bhikkhuni I would have thought no way and I remember 25 years ago when I wanted to be a Bhikkhuni and the monks that I was training with told me there was no such thing I was I, I just kind of put that on the shelf I thought, you know, okay, this is not possible. It can't happen. But I never forgot that. Because I'd, I'd read the Buddha's suttas and and studied, and I'd heard this word bikuni and I knew there was such a thing long ago. And it wasn't in this tradition, but it just sounded very wholesome. And I remember when when I was training in England and we were given passports. We are given the certificate which says your ordination date, your, your maiden, maiden, your lay name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's like a marriage. You get a certificate. Your lay name and your where you were born and there's this... And then a picture of you in the robe with a stamp on it. And when you were ordained. And the monks had the same passport. But on their passport it, it went from summonera to bhikkhu and in our passport it was just some it wasn't summonera, it was Siladra. And then the other pages were blank mm-hmm. and so you just you just accept it because it's a beautiful training and that's what's being offered. And there isn't anything else. But somehow those pages, those empty pages, were somewhere in the back of my mind. It's like, this space is going to be filled in. And I think karma also has a role in that. It's not just our, our desire or our dream. But I think one sets oneself on a course, and one holds the virtue, one holds all the tools foremost foremost in the mind and then when conditions ripen then that little little seed that was planted in the heart so long ago suddenly it's getting watered it's it's had the just enough heat just enough moisture to sprout to come to be and the same is true with using these qualities of wisdom and faith in our hearts. If we have faith up to a point, and then we get discouraged by life, we feel overwhelmed, we don't find our place in the world, but we keep trusting because we know that the direction that we're cultivating is a wholesome one, and the path is precious. It's noble. It's higher than anything it's, it's more pure, and has the greatest potential of anything that the world has to offer. So in spite of what the world is telling us, we keep trusting that that little space in our heart, that we're, where we're cultivating, can grow and grow and grow. And the wisdom sees that the growth is healthy. The world might not honor it it might not treasure it certainly here we've been so beautifully supported by all of you and so many others and we've really had marvelous conditions but there's there are many women that have been mistreated we heard about uh a nun who was Burmese and went to Sri Lanka and took bhikkhuni ordination and then went back to Burma to visit her father and she was arrested for being a bhikkhuni she was arrested and tortured she was thrown in prison and tortured and finally disrobed I think she was forced to disrobe or just so badly abused that she could not hold the training any longer this is unbelievable but these things happen. You think about the wonderful conditions that we have. We have, there's absolutely nothing we could possibly complain about. So what if some monks think we don't exist? There's many that do. And and they even, some of them traveled thousands of miles to attend and participate in Ayodimala's ordination. So it's like for me seeing all this rise up out of nothing really is a dream. And all I'm saying is that if you have a dream for the Dhamma to flourish in your heart then never give up on it because it will and it can and it is right here and now just as our dream which is only a convention really it's just uh, so what you don't have to be a bhikkhuni. but it is important the Buddha set up the fourfold assembly for monks, nuns, laymen and lay women and so we need that for the Dhamma to thrive on the conventional level and for the generations to come. but on a personal individual level, what we need in our hearts, is we need the faith. And it's quality of faith like the kind that a bird has when it sits on a tree in a wavering branch on the cold of a morning and the sun hasn't quite... It's just dawn. The sun isn't even... No warmth coming yet. And that little bird sings. Starts to announce the sun is coming. That's the faith that dawn is is coming. So that's the quality of faith that we must develop within ourselves, that the dawn of the Dhamma in ourselves, in our hearts, is just coming. It comes on the heels of every moment of mindfulness that we put forth through our effort, through our remembering to be aware, to pay attention, through our giving up of the distractions of life and all the things that the world promises us, it's not taking them to be complete, to be true. They, they're temporary. Sure, they give us little happiness here and there. But if we have an intention for something beyond this world, Something that will nurture us and free us, rescue us from greed, hatred, and delusion. We must never give that up. Never lose confidence that that can bear fruit within us. It's just like the Buddha, his father tried his best to protect Siddhartha when he was a prince. You know, he built him so many palaces, and provided every luxury possible to prevent this glorious son of his from going out and tasting the things of the world. Because the prediction was that he would either become the, this great sage or a world conquering ruler and the king was determined that he should do this so he made every effort but the Buddha had the wisdom to know there was something beyond all this and he went out the gates to to find out what's out there what is beyond also when he saw he saw the handmaidens sleeping around the halls of the palace at night and snoring and looking all disheveled and ugly,
1: not pleasant, not
0: beautiful. Then that started him thinking, finding out. He went and he investigated more thoroughly beyond the the mask that his father tried to pull in front of him. He went beyond it. And then he saw old age, the old person, and we're looking at it ourselves. <laughs> we see that we see that in our life. How much can we disguise that? How long can we keep pushing it to the edges of our consciousness so that we can just enjoy the sense pleasures? But they're never in the end the glass is empty, the 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 belly starts to hang and everything else (laughs) and we can't we can't hold the body beautiful anymore we can't hold the world beautiful anymore and he saw the sick person we can't avoid the illness coming and he saw the corpse we can't avoid people getting terrible illnesses ourselves getting cancer or MS I wanted to add a dedication to Viyama, a wonderful old friend of mine from many years ago who had led her community for so many years and then suddenly, in her mid-50s, developed this serious degenerative illness. Now she can't lead the community anymore. But she's very well in herself, she writes. I am well in myself She couldn't actually write the letter Someone had to write it for her Uh, Because she has the Dhamma So the corpse is there The sickness is there The um, old age And the decrepitude creeping in Little by little But if we have the Dhamma And the Buddha saw the samana there. The samana sanya is very important. This is where the wisdom kicks in. If we see the samana, we remember. That's why it's very important for there to be men and women doing what we're doing. We are the samana sanya in this world. Otherwise, people just get depressed. What do I do when I'm dying of cancer? What do I do when I can't use my limbs properly? People who were guitar players or dentists, if they start shaking like me, then they can't do that anymore. Their whole profession is meaningless, and then they're redundant. What does the world offer people who are redundant? Redundancy. It's like a closed door It's a bunch of doors closing in the face There's nowhere to turn anymore But to have the Dhamma To have that Samana, Sanya Reminds us There is something That we can take refuge in And it's, it doesn't move the way the world moves It's silent and it's deep And it's portable It's within us We don't have to be dependent on other people to make us happy. We just have to look into the silence and goodness of our own heart. That's really where it is. And then, whether we have hair or not, Joanne was saying to me, I'm going to lose all my beautiful long blonde hair, and I'm going to be just like you. She said, but I wasn't quite ready for that. Mm. But she's 60. 60 with long blonde hair. How long do, how many years do we want to keep, for how long are we going to keep trying to make it look like it's not 60? 60. It only goes so far. I'm not trying to make it depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But this is what the Buddha told us. Don't take refuge in the body, but take refuge in the heart. The heart that is not greedy, that is not hateful, that is not self-centered, that is not confused. It's the heart that is grounded, In Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. It's fearless, it's empty of greed, it's harmless, it's virtuous. It has faith and wisdom, but faith in that which is worthy of faith. It's beyond the world, because the world, how many worlds arise and cease? People are worried about the planet dying. Our planet is dying. We don't want it to die, of course. We don't want our own bodies to die. But what we fail to realize is that we've been circling for lifetimes, being born and dying, born and dying, birth, old age, sickness, death. We've been doing this forever. And the cause of birth is Kamma. We never figured it out before and now we have an opportunity to figure it out. So take that dream of nibbana, of fully awakening, and bring it to bear in, within us. All the investments we make in the world will give us only a temporary happiness. It will not keep the golden locks on our heads, it will not uh, keep our teeth from falling out. Our digestive system, able to eat exotic foods and enjoy them, comes to a point where you can't because the tummy won't take it. But we're so happy just to get whatever food we get. And that's sanya. We've already given up the delights of the world, not that we don't enjoy the lovely... Desserts that Robin cooked In the When Ayinimala wasn't around And then Stuck it on the table this morning Ayinimala has a very good sense of smell However And she sussed it out It's not that we don't enjoy And try to uh, Share these The pleasures And the the goodies of Human life, human existence, but we know their limitations, and we know the boundless quality of this heart. We've had—that's why we're here. We've glimpsed that, and we realize that it does give us something that no one can take away from us, and it does give us the possibility to realize the deathless that which doesn't die and if we continue practicing and cultivating a faith that is not limited it's not it's, it's really unconditional it's not if you're nice to me I'll have faith if you come practice with me I'll have faith if you make it easy for me I'll have faith like when I was living in New Zealand if you feed me oh Lord Buddha, if you feed me every day, I'll have faith. But that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that was a conditional faith and it wasn't worthy of a samana. So when people bring food, we rejoice. And if if it's not, we can't digest it, then we reflect, oh, the body is getting old. But we still, we have gratitude for People wanting to come and feed us, making an effort and practicing with us. And we recognize the rarity of this. Think how many people you know, how many people, between the ten of us, how many people do we know? And how many of those people are sitting and meditating every day, for example? Probably quite a few of them, because we do. So we stay with, usually, often like-minded people. But then there are lots that don't. Out of those that don't, how many of them fulfill their dreams? How many of us fulfill our dreams? I tell you, I am living my dream right here and now. And it's a source of great happiness. Living it and still trying to fulfill it, And so all of us have this capacity if we have the courage and the energy to give ourselves to it. And that above faith and wisdom, above mindfulness and energy and above concentration of the mind and continually pointing ourselves in that wholesome direction is virtue and renunciation. Those are two that are not mentioned as faculties of the mind but they go hand in hand it's not a faculty it's it's uh, it's a movement it's a, it's a way of conduct it's something that we have to do inside as well like we have to realize through our wisdom that give up yeah, give time for this rather than time for that and that's a gift So when we renounce the things that should be or need to be given up then we have the ability to dedicate ourselves to that which is worthy of our time and effort our mindfulness, our concentration and our faith. So wisdom leads but faith also sometimes has to lead. And the wisdom knows the importance of renouncing. If we renounce, then we can... How many people can't give up the thing that prevents them from keeping the five precepts? How many of us in daily life, in household life, we want to follow the world? We we can't completely devote ourselves to purifying conduct and speech because we can't give up some of our habits. But one day... Like coffee, I couldn't give up coffee for the longest time. Now I can't drink it, because it gives me acid. I just can't take it. I'm so grateful. I started to see this attachment. Of course you can give it up. And I, I would have felt better about myself if I could give the coffee up just by saying, I'm not having it anymore. But at least I, I see the value that when I'm awake, I'm really awake. It's not an artificial caffeine hit. And when I'm asleep, I'm really asleep. (laughs) But renunciation is powerful. If you're holding something, then your energy is occupied. And if you put it down, it's free. It's just like if you spend time with people that aren't nice to you or don't treat you well, then you don't have time to spend with the people that really love and cherish you. Usually we don't think of our energy expenditure in those terms. Some people say, well, I don't have time to meditate because I'm so busy. But if we were to do an inventory of what our busyness is about, we would find a lot of useless activity in there, a lot of Minutes that we could shave off our busyness so that we'd have a good chunk of time to sit and be with the silent mind, to be in the moment, to be still, to be joyful, to calm the mind. That's a renunciation right there. But we have to do the inventory. We have to actually check off certain boxes of our life to find out what we're doing that's making us so busy and so unable to give up things that aren't even good for us and not be able to make our dream flower and be nurtured properly. So everyone has time. Everyone has the time to do more of this practice has the ability to do more has the ability to nurture this path if we just stop to reflect if we trust and look wisely at how we're living and reorganize ourselves reorganize our our physical movements our speech movements the movements of our minds of course that's the clincher that's where wise reflection and sati, mindfulness, satipanya, come in. And then we give up thoughts that aren't... You say something stupid, once it's out there, it's like a bomb, it's too late. But we can try not to do that anymore. Here in the monastery, the results of saying silly things are very immediate. And you get the the, uh, feedback right away. So this is why it's such a powerful container. (laughs) (laughs) We're always mirroring to each other, really. You can't avoid it because when I look at Ayanimala I see the Buddha, I see the Dhamma, I see the Sangha. So is that ever a reminder? It's constant constant reminder. But when you see the world you don't see the Buddha Dhamma Sangha very often. You see the sparkle and the glitter and the good taste and the beautiful sounds and the comfortable feeling. And then our attention is there. So by the time we come to meditate, we have to re educate our attention where to where to spend itself. And here The reminders are so constant every time we bow to the shrine. It's not that we're looking at the Buddha, but we're looking at the Buddha. Because the the Buddha, through the Dhamma, is always alive. So we're with the teacher. And even if the teacher isn't sitting next to us and watching what we're doing, if we keep bringing up the sanya of Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha here, then we can watch and like we can be the the police person and it's not a very nice thing to say, but (laughs) we do we have to coach ourselves we have to be the cop that says, no, you can't do that that's not helpful that's not healthy that's not pure that's not wise that's not Dhamma why are you doing it right? Oops. and we realign, realign and then the dream grows and by the end of the day we feel we don't have to try to be on the path we are the path our effort, our mindfulness our wisdom, our faith and our concentration and they're tangible, they're visible other people see it and we rejoice in each other course we fall down we don't all fall down together thank goodness Mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to have spiritual friends to spend time with spiritual friends who encourage us in the ways of goodness and wholesomeness and to leave the other friends behind because if we want to travel the wilderness we have to travel with a wilderness traveler not with someone that needs a certain kind of vehicle with bucket seats and four-wheel drive or special fast gear or cruise control. That's the one that beats everything if you have cruise control. So that we can cruise through. No, the wilderness traveler is a trailblazer, is willing to suffer, is willing to endure hardship, is willing to renounce comforts because there's something very, very precious. There are treasures to be had and we know they're there. So we're digging for gold, mining for gold, as they say. And then it happens. In this very life, it really does. Gratitude is a wonderful mind state to Oil this whole process along, and these days I'm feeling particularly grateful for my spiritual companions and for all our spiritual friends who come and support and encourage us. Thank you for your attention. (inaudible)